You're listening to the Online Pastor Coach Podcast, the show that brings you new and fresh ways to connect with your digital church with your hosts, Joey Santos and Jason Morris. The subject of the hybrid, because it's creating yes. confusion, don't you think? Yeah, I think what has happened is um, during COVID season, like in lockdown, we're still in COVID season. We'll probably be in COVID season for the next year-ish. Yeah. Right. Even with the vaccine, there's going to be and I don't I don't know when this is going to air, but, you know, it's very likely that you're going to have these anti-vaxxer movement thing going on, just like you have with the people who don't wear masks. You're going to have, you know, it's going to be months anyway. But in the beginning of this whole thing, when they started to do lockdowns and churches could not meet physically, it actually simplified the transition a little bit because um one that was your only option uh and two because it was your only option it was much easier to redeploy and redirect staff and resourcing toward this new thing now again like with any j-curve kind of scenario you've you've got this you know nobody knows what they're doing they're you're they're getting new equipment they're figuring out what's effective what isn't you know, everybody's learning how to do this new dance online, mm-hmm. right? And even for those churches who had previously done online ministry, it's still different because for, for two reasons. One, you're not necessarily shooting from the stage, or at least I hope not. It doesn't translate in the same way. Um, and on top of it, you just added a whole bunch of people online that you previously didn't have and those types of people have different expectations these are church people not onliners so Mm -hmm. it's like you got two different audiences going on so during lockdown you had two different audiences thrown into the same bucket you had new workflows of how you do a church service you know how you execute a church service all of those things have radically changed right during lockdown but what was great about it was that you didn't have to worry about any other stuff. That's all you could focus on anyway. So you had more time to focus on it. You had more staff to focus on it. You had more resources to focus on it because you weren't doing anything else on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a lot of churches had discovered was, holy cow, our costs just went down. You know, even though we bought more equipment and stuff, we didn't have to turn on the HVAC. We didn't have to turn on the lights. Yep. You didn't have to, in some cases, some some churches, they pay like musicians and stuff like that. Didn't have to do that. You know, there's all of these things that they didn't have to do that gave them a wake up call to realize, hey, maybe we could do things differently. And in a lot of cases, especially if their online giving was set up well pre-COVID, for most churches, their giving was flat. So you have the same amount of income coming in. Um, your costs are down. So if you're looking at it as a business, why would you want to? I mean, that's an awesome scenario, right? Even if you've yeah. got, uh, even if you've got to learn a new business model or a new ministry model, um, that's okay, because everything else is kind of stable, you know. And you can redirect people. The problem now is. I'm saying post lockdown where, you know, churches are beginning to open back up, uh, getting on site and stuff. That transition is 
it was for us at least, so much bigger and more uh, difficult than I had anticipated. Uh -huh. so we've had conversations a lot like this, where you, it feels like to me, you handled the transition better than I did um, as it relates to getting back into the building, because now you've got two ministry models running in tandem. Yes. And a lot of the staff that were in kind of a holding pattern, kind of doing this stuff to just justify their salaries or whatever. Now they're snapping back to the old way of doing things. And now you've got to maintain a ministry model without the same resources, without the same staff, and your costs just went back up to where they were before. Plus you've got all this new stuff going on. So it's, it's kind of like, I feel like a lot of restaurants that, you know, they're probably not going back to the regular dining room experience. They're probably, they had done all of this work to do like takeout and drive-through and all this other kind of stuff or DoorDash. They've optimizing their systems for a distributed um, service model. And church during lockdown began or began the first baby steps toward a distributed service model. And now we're having to maintain both a centralized service model and a decentralized service model at the same time. So, so I think you, you just gave us a ton of stuff now we got to unpack. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I talked too much. You need to just interrupt me. When I, when I start going like this, no, dude, you just, now you, you gave us like three hours of conversation, literally, because first of all, I, and I, I don't, I hope this doesn't create more confusion in people's minds as they listen to this. My church, my, the church I'm part of went back uh, to in-person experience. And I, I, and I, well, I'm not telling you anything I have not told them. My feeling is it was a mistake. I don't think we should have gone back uh, to that personally. This is not my personal conviction that I don't okay, think. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So um, explain a little bit the timeline of, of what happened. So we, so, we so finally lockdown, got, what did you do? Lockdown, we went through to, to, to online experience. But now, listen, I, I'm, I, I depend on a lot of people that it's smarter and faster than I am to help me get things moving forward. Uh, right. So I, I don't know everything. And I, I really, really depend on them. And I'm telling you, sometimes, Jason, those are my volunteers. I have a body of volunteers that, man, those guys are smarter than I am in very in different aspects of the ministry, even like in the technology. So uh, I bring everybody in for conversations like we're, we're going to exhaust ourselves in conversations so we can actually try to find the best way out with the staff and volunteers. So we by March, we 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 jump into the lockdown remember we're in ohio ohio to this day from march to this day every church is exempt from every order we could have kept our buildings open all day long all the time but we decided to be part of a community right we're part of the community so we uh, we're going to contribute we're going to make that contribution we want to be safe uh, so we did the lockdown but at the very second that the option to come back in the building was open we start to watch that, and and it actually took us a good like month. So it's by the end of June that we like okay. So here's what we're gonna do now. I know the question you asked me though. Let me go back. We we went through an interesting phase there because a, a little experience that I have in broadcasting outside the church. 
was telling me that this model of coming to the church every Sunday to do this live thing with just the volunteers, you know, just the band, empty building, but everything on the stage, like if it was a, a regular church service for broadcast only, I actually start saying after two, three weeks, I say, guys, this is not sustainable because we're going to experience this jump into, I'm going to watch this and all of a sudden people will be like, uh, okay, this is no longer a good broadcasting experience. And I think that's, we start experiencing that. So I think most churches in America experience this jump. Like all of a sudden, the three, four thousand, ten thousand people are watching their online experience. And well, during the, <laughs> the beginning of the lockdown, and then a few weeks into it, they're like, oh, for some reason, these numbers are going down. And to me, in my opinion, these numbers are going down because the broadcasting experience was not crafted for the online experience, church online experience, meaning it's yes, not engaging. I, I, it's, it's made for totally people to build. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. And I think there is another factor that was going on at the same time is that people were church shopping online mm -hmm. at the same time. Absolutely. So what, let, like, you know, here's my dad. My dad, he's almost, he's almost getting to 80, right? He has his local church in Nashville, in Tennessee, where, where he's at. Um, in a suburb of Nashville. And um, I asked him during lockdown, I asked him, hey, because church is a big part of our family's life, right? My daddy's, you know, been a yeah. deacon teaching Sunday school for decades, right? And very involved in his church. And it's part of his, I think, uh, you know, for an elderly guy like him, that is his social network, like his physical, that is his circle of friends, that is how he stays uh, healthy. That is how he stays connected is all through church, right? So mm -hmm. the first thing I thought of was, oh man, here's dad, he's home. He's gonna be getting lonely. He's not gonna have his church friends, all these things, you know? And so I asked him, you know, I called him on the phone and said, hey, how are you doing? You know, you staying safe, you staying healthy, you know, everything's going well, all that. And I asked him, I said, hey, how's church doing? He's like, yeah, I'm going to church. He said, I'm, you know, I pulled it up on the Roku you gave me, the Roku TV, you know, I pull it up. He says, I'm going to your church. I'm going to my church. I'm going to another church in Nashville. I'm going to this church and that church. And I'm like, okay, this is a guy who's almost 80, yeah. right? barely knows how to run any kind of technological stuff. And he is attending. I know that all of these churches would have counted him as an attender. He's going to like five different churches, six on a given Sunday. He's yeah. just filling it up, right? Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, that explains right there why I saw a big jump in my attendance uh -huh. is because everybody else around the country is church shopping right now. Absolutely. We did a survey. We actually did a survey with our online, like our church audience during the, the lockdown and it was interesting, 70, a little over 70% of the people that answered the survey, which was around uh, 400 people, 70% uh, of them said, yeah, I've been watching other churches too. And they listed the name of churches they're, they're on the survey. So you were absolutely right. And I think, Jason, that is the, again, I think we just went through that season, but then my attention turned into, okay, we went through this first season, let's say, of online church in the last five years of 
trying to crack the code of, of the engagement online. I mean, the physical church is here. Uh, we're trying to jump into this online and we're trying to crack the code. And then COVID happened. And COVID pretty much like knocked down everything that we probably knew about it. And, and, and like we have to, to kind of rediscover a lot of new things. So that's why to me it was a challenge because like the people's interest is going to start diminishing as we continue to build, to engineer a worship experience and pretend they were in a building. Right. When we yeah. have an audience that actually sitting at home waiting to be engaged with, with the ministry as is and we, we have this prime opportunity. So we, we jump into this like discovery moment, like let's dig down, let's dig in, see what happened. What we can do, what can we do to actually engage the people? And, and it's kind of funny, some of the questions were like, hey, hold on. You know, my, my leadership actually asked those questions, like, hold on, what if we do this so well that people decide not come back when this COVID is over? <laughs> I mean, I was like- As if that's a bad thing. Exactly, so I was like, and, uh, is that bad, why? And I, can, yeah. and I think that, is, that shows uh, uh, the, the battle, the real battle right. that is uh, for a lot of pastors, and I know a lot of pastors are listening to this right now, and so that's okay. That's okay to, to let this kind of like brew in your brain a little bit in terms of like, it's okay, like what, what would happen if people are actually doing ministry, people are actually engaged with your church, people right. are still contributing to your church, but they're not physically there all the time. Uh, and and uh, we got to ask the question. So I said, that's fine. I mean, I said, is that a problem? My, my question back is like, is that an issue? And they're like, they didn't want to say no. <laughs> they don't want to say yes. <laughs> so, well, yeah. and like, so, so you touched on something that I think is worthy to be explored a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, now, when you're talking about, because you, you, you said before that you come from a broadcast environment. Yeah. And one of the things I've been thinking about lately is the digital disruption of broadcast media, just in general, mm -hmm. right? I'm not talking about church yet. I'm talking about just the digital disruption of broadcast media. For example, this morning, I watched probably about an hour worth of, you know, TV, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what I was watching? YouTube. Yep. If... If you were to like probably, you know, at my personal uh, viewing habits, I probably watch more YouTube than I do Netflix, than I do definitely broadcast TV, mm -hmm. right? Um, I watch more YouTube than anything else. Here's, I think, part of the dilemma. And let me, let me just unpack this a little bit because I've been thinking about this. Mm -hmm. and I think it's worthy to be uh, deconstructed just mm -hmm. so that we can build correctly, because I feel like that uh, a lot of the attempts at online ministry are building upon a foundation and upon a, a media broadcast model that really doesn't exist in this world, in the modern world anymore. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if you think about um, the, the huge shift that occurred in the early, in the 80s and 90s about contemporary worship, right? And the huge shift of like TV evangelists and all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. All of all, that whole ministry model, the whole religious broadcasting model came alive during that time period. And it was based upon 
broadcast media. So the idea is we got to make it look like a TV show or like a television channel. Yeah. Right? That's, and you see a lot of it. I mean, like that's when TBN came out. That's when all this other, you know, NRB, all that, all that stuff was birthed in that time period, along with you have like the Willow Creek seeker sensitive kind of stuff mm -hmm. that again has the, the idea that if we create an experience uh, an environment, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm going to sound really crass here, but a show, mm -hmm. right? People yep. will come and hear the gospel. So the show was designed to be the attractional, um, the attractional model that would bring people in the building so that the pastor could lead them to Jesus. There was a whole ministry model based upon that whole thing. So the more excellent you did your your show, right? Mm -hmm. and that includes music, hazers, lasers, lighting, yeah. you know, drama, all this other kind of stuff that was being um, engineered and pioneered in the 80s and 90s, right? Was based upon the, the foundation of TV, all of these things where people are, um, they're attracted to television. They have a different level of expectation when they're even going to church. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, if you compare it to like previous decades, even previous centuries, is totally different. So you look back into the past, the orators, the big orators of the day, the big musicians of the day, all of those things were based in the church because that they didn't have TV. Right. Mm -hmm. So they they didn't have, you know, competition with other things like that was the cultural epicenter because that was the only place where people were gathering together and doing stuff together, right? So um, now you're in like the TV era and everything changes. Your ministry models change, your church ministry models change based upon you're now in the TV age, the golden TV era. Yeah. The problem is today is that now that whole system has worked for the longest time. And it's also worked not only for the church, but it's worked for like broadcast media, for cable companies and all that kind of stuff. All that has worked fine. But the problem is right now, especially around this last decade, we are well into a different era altogether uh -huh. where most people would say, at the very least, they're probably watching more Netflix than they are broadcast television. They're probably watching YouTube, in my case, YouTube more than I'm watching any of that stuff, right? And so the whole foundation where it's like, okay, how do you connect with people? How do you create community? All of those things has radically changed in uh -huh. this YouTube podcasting model of media consumption and community around it. And yes. the gaming community is fed into that and all of that. We're in a different world today as it relates to entertainment, how people um, spend their uh, cognitive surplus, how they spend their free time is completely different today than it was in the 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about it in those terms, the problem today is, is that the church thinks they're being forward thinking by trying to create a broadcast model instead of like a YouTube model. Yeah. That is a problem because for a, for a lot of reasons, when you're, and this is like, man, 
I could go on and on when it comes to just like basic stuff, like like just buying gear, right? Yeah. When you're thinking, oh, of, okay, do you go, yeah. do you buy broadcast gear or do you buy streaming gear? The way that like a, a YouTuber or a gamer would stream and hit millions and millions of viewers, create community around his gaming stream is completely different equipment, yeah. different mentality than you than one would have in a broadcast medium mindset and environment, right? Yeah. It, it's it, totally, totally different. So, so we're, we're just talking about that by itself. I think it's worthy to be thinking through when we're talking about the future, Yeah, we're already in the past if we're thinking of a broadcast model to begin with. I, see, that's I love this because this is going to help us. You know, we're talking about this hybrid version yes. today. And Turks got to pay attention today is it took me months, months, to get my youth guys, which just came out at Bible college this right. year, to talk them into, you gotta get into YouTube. You gotta get into YouTube, you gotta build content. And here's the interesting thing, we just looked at some data last week. They are now responsible for 10% of our overall impressions because mm -hmm. they're putting two fresh content on Facebook, on YouTube every week, two. Mm -hmm. They changed the model on Sunday to groups only, and the, the message, the, the, the bulk of what they, they teach is only on the YouTube now. Right. So they totally shift that, that strategy for in-person experience. And the, the teaching and the, the, they do interviews, they do this kind of like fun stuff, they're throwing on the YouTube. Here's the interesting thing though, we just look in the last 11 months. And again, we're, we're not like big at all on the YouTube, but the, the last 11 months, uh, YouTube is telling us that we had 270,000 impressions. Mm. And 37% of these impressions were pushed by YouTube itself. Wow. And the reason wow. why we saw that, because we saw the numbers of the time, time watched was 7,200 for the whole year. Mm. So when we look at those numbers together, and I was trying to explain to them, I said, that's the thing. It's, I think for people listening, uh, we heard for the, the longest time that content's king, and I don't believe that's the case anymore. I believe the relatable content is king. Yes, and what's interesting, what I love about what you just described is a different ministry model that's similar mm -hmm. to what they're doing in the education space right now of mm -hmm. flipping the classroom where the content is being distributed through online meetings and then your community is done in person, mm -hmm. right? So here's here's part of, uh, I think, and you know we've talked about this a lot, where um, I think pre-COVID, churches had depended upon the Sunday weekly gathering to do mm -hmm. a lot of things. I mean, we're like, we're like, it's like the Swiss army knife of ministry where yep. we're doing content delivery, we're doing discipleship, we're doing, you know, like, like housekeeping announcement kind of stuff you know we're we're doing community we're doing all of these things and we're just cramming it all in an hour boom once every once every week right and we're thinking that we're getting the job done and we know that that whole model you know the 80s and 90s kind of thing from the review yeah. survey that it didn't work we know that even if you look at culture at large I wouldn't say that culture today is more biblical than it was back in the 70s 
we know that that's not true. So Absolutely. our method didn't work. All right. We just need to realize that. So if the method didn't work and we know it didn't work, and especially it didn't work with the younger generation who didn't know any better or didn't have the foundation of the previous ministry model to rely upon, all they, they just cut their teeth on this new model, right? From the 80s and 90s forward. Yeah. We know what the statistics say. I mean, it's not, you know, everybody knows this. So in my mind, it's like, okay, why would we continue to do a model that we know isn't effective and at least try to experiment with something new mm -hmm. um, or a different model, however radical or odd it might seem, as long as the mission is being accomplished. Yes. And we forget that a lot of times we confuse methods and mission a lot. And I, even when it comes to our online stuff, I don't want to confuse methods and mission either. I mean, I think that this online thing is a very uh, good tool to use, but at the same time, I know that you can use this tool well or poorly, just like we know that churches who tried to do contemporary well, their band didn't sound that great. You know, it's like, <laughs> we know that's true. Just because you have a tool doesn't mean you know how to use it well. Absolutely. Right? So, so this is a new tool. It's a new ministry model. It's a new way of thinking about how one builds community around content um, and how that content is structured in such a way to facilitate community. And I, what I love about your approach with what you're doing with the students is that you're allowing each tool to um, work in its sweet spot. Mm -hmm. We know that it, when it comes to content delivery online, I don't know how you could beat it. You know, you're, you're gonna get more impressions, more views, more, you know, more time in content delivery online than anything else. Even mm -hmm. broadcast TV media, you're gonna get more bang for your buck yes. doing it online, right? Now, community is a different thing though, right? When it comes to community, I think most of us know that face-to-face, -face, I mean, even the Zoom calls is, is fun. You know, mm -hmm. it's better than just a phone call where I'm just hearing your voice. Um, it's better than just a monologue when I'm watching just a video. It's a conversation, right? But face-to-face -face is even better still. We know that that in-person community, that's its sweet spot. So when you get yeah. in person, community really tends to shine there. Content delivery actually can be done better online. And what I love what you... What you're doing is that you're changing the ministry model so that each tool is working in a sweet spot. Uh -huh. You're using online for content delivery. You're using on-site for community. Dude, as long yeah. as those things are linked together, man, I think that that could be a wonderful and highly effective ministry model, especially when you dial and optimize both tools toward just what they do best. Thanks for joining us this week on the Online Pastor Coach Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, onlinepastorcoaching.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our ebook, A Local Church with a Global Reach. 
Joey and Jason are available for private coaching. Just send us a message. Now go make a global impact for the kingdom until next time.